0: Going to uh Second Thessalonians. And we'll be reading responsively verses one through nine. That's Second Thessalonians chapter two. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him. That he be Let no man deceive you by any means that for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who uh, now leteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And, and then. then Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders.
1: You may be seated. Thank you. Eternal Father and our God, we come before you recognizing our need of you and for you to speak to us today. We recognize the fact that we're living in troublesome times. And we need a word from you today to bring courage to us, to settle our fears. And Lord, as we come today, we are asking that you will truly be present with us. You have promised to send your Holy Spirit that is able to lead us into truth and to be our guide. So we're praying for his presence today as we study your word, who the Holy Spirit is his very own author. I pray for open hearts. I pray for understanding. I pray for the willingness today that as we understand and hear your word, and are convicted by them that we will commit the remaining days of our lives to live by them. Thank you for being such a loving and merciful God that even today, you are still willing to speak to your children. Thank you for hearing and blessing We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As a boy growing up, and I happened to be born and raised in an Adventist home, and there used to be a song that the old Adventist people used to sing. Have you heard of the Advent church. For we are moving according to what? Prophecy. And if there's anything that separates the Seventh-day Adventist church from any other church is the fact that we were founded on prophecy and we are guided through prophecy. So people can ask us, And we can have some vision into the future as to what is going to happen. While we may not be able to tell them, pinpoint in certain issues on time and date, we can tell them of events. And that I find reassuring. I find that comforting. And one of the things that, as a church, that ever since we have come into inception, I should say, is that we preach that at some point in time, the national Sunder Law would come into, will come into existence. Preaching. And we have seen and we have talked about it. At length. As a matter of fact, I can tell you that I grown listening to that in church. Never thought that I myself would be preaching about it. But that was something that we grew up understanding, and ever since it has been, it has been happening. Not knowing when but we preach it because we know that it is going to come to pass. And as you and I understand Bible prophecy, and we see the current events, we know for sure that we're getting closer and closer to that time. The reality for that to happen The United States of America plays a great role, or will play a great role in that. We believe that to be true. We believe that to be true. Again, I go back to the fact that when I was a boy and I heard America in prophecy, I didn't understand some of those pieces. But over time, I have come to understand it. And what it is, is that we see and it has happened. And the way that the the papacy, which is underlining or is making this movement, it works through the various political parties of this country and other factions to bring that about. And at times, we think that if the Democrats are in, then it is closer to it and we think that if the republicans are in it's going to be there but if we understand how the papacy works it doesn't matter who is there whoever is there it is being used in order to bring about its goal i can tell you for sure when i look at certain things that this country has done, that if the founding fathers were alive today, or I should say, as they would say, they are rolling over in their graves ten times more of the silliness. Not the silliness, but they, you were advising the Thing that you could not be a cat, not that you could not be a Catholic, but there was no to be any association or embracing Catholicism because they understood what it meant. What has happened? What has happened? We have worked through all of this. Look at just some of the images. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. This is Ronald Reagan with John Paul II. Along with Nancy Reagan, this is at the Vatican. But here you have Ronald Reagan and John Paul forming an alliance to overthrow who? To overthrow the Soviet Union. Understanding that Catholicism will take any opportunity, it can, providing that it will advance its cause. Yes. And this is what it done, it has done. And for this, we're paying great dividends. Then, not too long ago, we had what? This is no political personnel. This is Kenneth Copeland. Who is declaring that what? The Reformation is what? It's over. The protest is over. There is no more protest. It's over. 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 And as a result, the document was signed in uh, 2017 that the protest is over. But that's not only yet. This is still at the Vatican. Then we have the Pope was invited to address the joint Congress. I'm wondering what the founding okay fathers would be thinking about this. Yeah. Let's pull back. So here you have these working through over time to get to where this was. At the inception of this nation, there was no way that a Catholic person could be standing to address the body, the leading body of this. But over time, of which if we understand Catholicism is that the passage of time, they can wait. What is five years? What is ten years? What's a hundred years? Providing that waiting is going to get us to where we need to be. We can and will wait. And that's what they have done. They have waited and they have, waiting, they have waited us out. Because they know that eventually this is going to get in. And what it is is that this election that just passed was a unique election. Unique. And it's unique from my standpoint at the reception or the response of the church. And again, I'm submitting to us as brethren and upon the authority of God's word that we cannot attach ourselves to political parties. No. You know, I have been there, done that. Here it is four years ago, and I'm just going to put it out there. Four years ago, when Donald Trump won, we thought that this was the mercy of the Lord. Now that he has lost in this election, is not the leading of the Lord saints that is hypocritical can i label it as such in we said that the lord sets up his kings and he takes them down but when joe biden now ha, is now up there then the lord did not do that i don't know many saints Let me just show you this. This now sets it up in terms of the the video.
0: I said, Lord, Joe Biden don't need to be
1: president. And just like this, just like if you'd answered me, he said he won't. Will President Trump, from what God is showing you, win his second term? Uh, Yes, it is for sure, uh, Said that God wants uh, President Trump in.
0: God has already sealed the results of this election. He has sealed it in heaven.
1: Tracy, is President Trump going to have a second term?
0: Well, it's it's the same thing, similar to Kevin, yes.
1: I want to say without question,
0: Trump is going to win the election. Trump will win. He will be president of the United States. He will sit in that office for four more years, and God will have his
1: way in this country. The Lord said to me, I am going to give your president a second win.
0: Whoa. In the third dream, he said, I need for you to be my running mate for my second election. And the Lord said, because what I intend to do through him, it will take two terms to do. And I need for you to run with him in the spirit to see that everything is removed out of the way that would hinder that. So that he is not only finishes this term, but is reelected for the second term and can fulfill the mandates of God upon his life.
1: You said this one that I shall raise up from New York, I will give him two terms god's in control he controls everything
0: and i believe that involves donald trump being president for the next four
1: years will it be an eight-year presidency absolutely absolutely we will uh, you're sure about that yeah i'm sure about that ah. right. oh. so that's where we are so these are church members We well, may not find them at Adventists who, who predicted the election? Are they prophets or are they false prophets? Was the Lord speaking to them? And here it is, the church has come in. And while it's not the Adventist church, this is a face of the evangelicals out there who predicted the a second term for Donald Trump. And they're here telling them that they have received all of this information from God. Didn't turn out that way. Didn't turn out that way. Because that was not... I leave it. That it is. Let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter thirteen is one of those chapters that is very unique to, I shouldn't say unique, but it's one of the chapters in the book of Revelation that Adventists hold tenaciously to. As I should say, maybe from uh, I don't know, maybe from chapter twelve through fourteen. You know, those are, are maybe eleven to we hold because it forms our the base of our teachings on certain things. but chapter 13 talks about two beasts. The first beast deals with it runs from verses one through 10 and we know from Bible prophecy that this talks about the papacy. But now we come into the second beast or we, from which starts in verse 11. And we're going to pick it up at verse 11. And John says that I saw what? Another beast. So let's get to Revelation chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 11. All right. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had Two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. That's it. So this is what John is seeing. He's seen another beast, different from the first beast. And this beast is coming up out of the earth. And we have done that study, and I know we won't be, I don't want to spend that time to go over and to unpack that, because that's not the focus of my uh, message today, or the, the study, is it that it's coming up? But just some preliminary pieces is that this comes up out of the earth, not a densely populated area like the first beast that John saw coming up out of the sea, of which we know that sea represents people. So this was a d- uh, a different type of coming up, and the word used, the Greek word used for coming up, having the idea of a growing plant, tender and gentle, growing up, coming up. It's coming up out of that. So when the United States of America came into existence, it did not have to fight anybody like any like they. Greek and the Romans did not have to fight anybody to get into power. Not at all. It came up. and You know the U.S. history. And that has come up. And out of that, it come up and it's a what? A lamb like beast. Now, just from fun facts is that the word lamb is used 29 times in the book of Revelation. And this is the first time it is used where it was not referred to Jesus Christ. First time, lamb. But it has two horns. The horn, the first horn represents what? The first horn represents what? Uh, Our Republicanism. Second one, Protestantism. Simple put, church and state do not come together and it's the, well, in church and state, Protestantism, church and state are separate. That they, we do not have a pope, neither do we have a king. So people are allowed to, for what? Self-determination, which is a fundamental right of the U.S. government. Self-determination. You can go and do whatever you want, providing it's in the law. If you decide that you want to worship a cat, and this is your God. Nobody's going to tell you that it's not your God. You can do it. And then there is self-rule. You know, there are the rules within that. So there is that. Those are the two rules. And we have all these laws. The, the Declaration of Independence. We have all of these. Things, the Constitution that came up to protect that. There was a question when they had the Constitution and they were worried that maybe all of these rights or these rights that we have within the Constitution may not preserve us or protect us. And what did they, the founding fathers do? They came up with a bill of rights to lock it in. Here's what George Washington's. This is George Washington when somebody asked him. If I could have entertained the slightest apprehension that the Constitution framed by the convention where I had the honor to preside might possibly endanger the religious rights of any ecclesiastical society, certainly I would never have placed my signature to it. This is George Washington. And if I could now conceive that the general government might... ever be so administered as to render the liberty of conscience insecure. I beg you, I beg you will be persuaded that no one would be more zealous than myself to establish effectual barriers against the horrors of spiritual tyranny and every species of religious persecution. For you doubtless remember, I have often expressed my sentiments that any man conducting himself as a good citizen and being accountable to God alone for his religious opinion ought to be protected in worshiping the deity according to the dictates of his own conscience. This is what they came up with. This is it. And we can see that through this, this is what they were to protect the Constitution, or not so much the Constitution, but the liberties of people. Religious liberty and also the ruling that we cannot take away people's liberty of conscience. And they had the Bill of Rights. The sad thing is that Ellen White says that the United States is a land that has been under the special shield of the omnipotent one. God has done great things for this country, but in the transgression of his law, men have been doing a work originated by the man of sin. Satan is working out his designs to involve the human family in disloyalty. So if we stopped at the Bill of Rights, and all of that first part of it being a lamb like beast, all would be well. But what does the text say? It says what? And he spake as a dragon. So the question is, we know how a country speaks. It speaks through its laws. That's how it speaks. So how does the dragon, and we know that, you know, the Bible says that the devil is the dragon. We find that in Revelation chapter uh, 12. You know, uh, we know that, but the devil is working through what? Agencies, giving them their work. So the first part of the dragon was what? Pagan Rome. Pagan Rome. And then we have what? Papal Rome. Coming in, speaking as a dragon. And what is it that they're after? The the focus of their purpose as when the dragon is speaking, it is what? Results in what? Persecution. And we can see that through the Dark Ages. Not even before the Dark Ages. We can see it in way back in the apostolic times. Persecution takes place. So there is a sad change. That's it. We just quoted that. When we look at Revelation chapter 13, 11 through, there are about seven things that the beast, this two horned beast, is going to do. It exerciseth the power of the first beast. It causeth causeth worship to the first beast. It doeth great wonders. It maketh uh, fire come down from heaven. It deceiveth. It giveth life unto the image of the beast. And it causeth all to receive the mark of the beast. Something I found out as I went through this study, all of those verbs are from the same one Greek word, root. He F all from the same Greek word. So the question is, You know, uh, the Catholic's operation is to make America Catholic. I remember when I was in school, I had a a church history teacher, John Beale, who came and said that Mac was teaching us, okay, church history. I remember it now. um, Mac, and I just didn't understand. He said, Do you know what Mac is? And, you know, in Jamaica, Mac was this truck. You know, Mac truck. Everybody wanted a a Mac truck. Little boys wanted a Mac truck because it's this big truck that, you know, tumbles down the highway or whatever it is. But he said, that simple means make America Catholic. Make America Catholic. Listen to what they're saying. Catholics of the United States are called to make America Catholic. The church triumphant in America, Catholic truth will travel on the wings of American influence and with it encircle the universe. So in their minds, they're saying that if we get America to be Catholic, we have the entire world as Catholic. entire world. And that's what they have done. Here it is. Who is a Jesuit or was a Jesuit? A Jesuit is now dead. He said in the Catholic action, and this is various action groups that they have come up with. In theory, Catholic action is the work and service of lay Catholics in the cause of religion under the guidance of the bishops. In practice, it is the Catholic group fighting their way to control America. The effort, the fight, may be drawn out. It may last for five or ten years, even if it lasts for 20. What is 20 years in the life of Rome? The fight must be fought to a finish. Opposition must be worn down if it cannot be swept away. And this is how they do it. Rome's immortal destiny. Do you see how it's described? Immortal destiny hangs on what? The outcome of what? America being what? Catholic. That destiny overshadows the land. And in the fight, as she has ever fought when battles were most desperate in the past, Rome will use what? Steel, gold, silvery, lies, silvery lies, Rome will stoop to conquer. So it will leave nothing unturned, thank you, for to get or to achieve its goal. Nothing. That's what they will do. And everything committed. Pope Pius XIII, his entire uh, reign as a pope was on focus on America. Getting America. That was it. So it is. How do they make America Catholic? How? Here's the first thing: Romanizing the textbooks. See, they recognize that you know the generally history in uh, in public school and high school is revised to eliminate anything that makes Rome look bad. Anything that makes Rome looks bad, they have eliminated that from their textbook. And the textbooks have been rewritten by Jesuits. To make Rome looks favorable to the American people. So they have done that. Romanize the textbooks. And uh, so that they have done. And you can look at that. The second thing that they, so here it is, one of the things that they do not teach, or, you know, the Catholic Church will never recognize the Reformation. Instead, what do they see the the Reformation as? As a revolt against the authority of the Pope. Revolt. So you have that there. So in public schools, the Catholics have stealthily introduced textbooks written by Jesuits, and your children are taught that the Roman church was misunderstood in the past, that its doctrines are not fatal to humanity and gospel religion. This is out there. Fake news. Fake news. So what do they do next? They revised the reference books, your encyclopedias, the dictionaries, and all of those books. Revise. Purposeful revise that. They muzzle the press. So yes. They recognize that our lives are influenced. I remember, as a, again, I go back as a boy. We used to go, you know, uh, I remember when I went to elementary school. We had, uh, there was uh, the newspaper, the Daily Gleaner. Five days a week we had that gleaner in school. Read the paper. Because we get information through the news, but not only information, the information that we're getting from the daily newspaper is influencing what? Our lives. So what did they do? They decided that the way that we're going to shape the lives of the American people is by us writing what? In their columns. Writing the newspaper. So they had nice, wonderful people, and uh, they want to make sure that they had people to write the news, because this is what they said, in our serving, in her saving doctrines, and in our marvelous activity, should be brought more prominently before the American public. So we are going to bring that information to the people and influence their lives. Muzzle the press. It's just going over. And what do they do? They capture the public libraries. How do they do that? So before, they weren't getting any books. But what the priests and the bishops and all of these people did, they influenced their members. So Kenton is a Catholic member. They write their books. The people write their books. He goes to the library and he's asking for this Jesuit book. This book's over here. And sooner or later, these books are brought into the library, and they have outdone the books that are usually there before. Capturing. censorship of books. So you cannot find history books on the medieval times that brings out the history of Rome and it's persecution of people. It's not there. There is in the Vatican an index of all forbidden books. And I can tell you today that one of the books they would love to ban is a great controversy because it's a book that's a thorn in their side because it shows them up. And they have done many things to get rid of that book. In Central America, a few years ago, well, I should say more than a few years ago because I was a boy then, there were call portals who were selling these books. And he thought that, you know, they were thought that, you know, they're selling these books and they're buying them. And they thought they were making inroads because the Catholic Priests were asking, whoa, we, we need to buy these books. We need our people to know this. And what were they doing? They were buying them up and burning them. That's one of the books. So central uh, of books. So here's what Ellen White says: The prospect, prophecy represents Protestantism of having a lamb like horns, but speaking like a dragon. Already, already we are beginning to hear the voice of the dragon. Already. There is a satanic force propelling the Sunday movement, but it is what? Concealed. Even the men who are engaged in the work are themselves blinded to the results which will follow their movement. So all of what the papacy is doing is doing with the goal of bringing about what? Sunday worship. And what it is, it is using the players who are in America to bring that about. Bring it about. And it will continue to do that until it reaches the place whereby it can declare or have America to declare the National Sunder Law. We're closer. When you look at what caused the church and state in the medieval times, we're already there. The apostasy is there. The Bible is no longer used in uh, in these uh, nominal churches. There's more talk about uh, the ecumenical movement is just growing, and that is the last of the stage before we have the nationals on the law. And the churches are coming right there. why did I go through all of this historical fact to tell you what? There is nothing that you and I can do to prevent the national Sunday law from taking place. Nothing. We can do. At best, we may delay it. But there's nothing that you and I can do but when the nationals on the law comes into effect, whenever that happens, whether we think it's gonna happen within these next four years or it's gonna happen beyond another four years, I don't know. But there are things that you and I have to do, be ready for when it goes into place. Because when the nationals on the law goes into, comes into effect, Probation will begin to close on Seventh-day Adventist. That's it. So this is the time, my brothers and sisters, when you and I need to have the effects of the first rain or the early rain taking place in our lives. Are you with me? So this is a sermon now. This is what we need to be doing. And what is the purpose of the early reign? Is for it to give you and I victory over sin. That's it. Because when the national Sunday law goes into effect, whether it's under Joe Biden or it is somebody else four years down the line or eight years down the line, if you and I are not Fully clothed in the righteousness of Christ, we will be found wanting. That's it. We'll be found wanting. So, God, in His mercy and love, is delaying time so that you and I can come to this saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, where his character can be reproduced in us. He can do that. So, how do we get the early rain? How do we get the early rain? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the same way they're thinking is the same way the devil thinks. The devil thinks that he's going to outsmart God. Some way he's going to overthrow God and his plan. He's going to overthrow it. Yeah, they have read... All of their books. I was looking at a, a video where they had gone to visit some Catholic uh, priest or something like that, and they were talking about all these books, and they wanted to show him. It was an Adventist person, and they, he brought him into his library and showed him all these books. And it was a surprise. It was all of Ellen white books. Said, why do you have these here? I said, yeah, I, I need to have them so I know how to talk to you, or what you know, what's out there. So it's out there. So, how do we get prepared for the early rain? And there are four steps. Step number one. First step is a thorough, old hearted repentance. We have to come to the point where we are repenting of our sins. That's where it is. This is brought about by the work of the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you of a sin, it's not in our best interest to set it aside because in doing that we are preventing the effects of the early rain from taking hold of our lives so we have to do just that the second thing if I can get there by God's grace Living up to all the light, all the light that we have while seeking daily by earnest prayer, Bible study, and the study of the spirit of prophecy for more light. So the light that God has given us, that we have to what? Be living up to that light, and at the same time looking for what? Greater light. But if we do not get the light, if we do not act on the light that God gives us today, it's impossible for us, for him to give us new light when we have made light of the light that he has given us. Thank you. So that's it. So we have to do that and we're doing that, it is important to totally, that we're surrendered and dedicated and committed to yield ourselves to this light that God has given us. And I can tell you from personal experience that my brothers and sisters, it's a hard work. Not only is it hard work, but it is painful work. But it is by what? God's grace. Grace. And his promise to us is that I can do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. And he says again, my grace is sufficient. So when we are having the struggle in our personal devotion, this is what we pray back to God. God, you tell me that your grace is sufficient. I need to feel the sufficiency of your grace in my life in overcoming these habits so that I'm walking in righteousness and obedience to your will. That's it. Step number three. Now, this is is seeking for a complete, continuous, unbroken victory over all besetting sins. We're looking for complete victory. We have to gain victory over sin. You know, they thought that we're going to continue to sin until Christ comes. Yeah, we can continue to do that, but we will be found what? Wanting. Christ is looking for a people who is free without spot or wrinkle. He's looking for that. And then the fourth thing is that you and I have to be about what? Our Father's business. So the two business that we have is to make sure that the righteousness of Christ is reproduced in me. But at the same time, is to help somebody else to have that experience, reproduce that. So here is what uh, Ellen White says. She said, the word of God plainly declares that his law is to be scorned, trampled upon by the world. There will be an extraordinary prevalence of iniquity. The professed protestant world will form a confederacy with the man of sin, and the church and the world will be in corrupt harmony. That's what she said. But she said in red words, in this time of peril, we can stand only as we have the truth and the power of God. Men can know the truth only by being themselves what? Partakers, of the divine nature. That's where we get that truth and the power from, being victorious. Now, uh, this, they talk about, you know, one judge who is thinking that in order for the nationals under the law to come into effect, is that the Constitution has to be what? Either set aside or whatever it is. And here's one judge already saying that the Constitution, I absolutely, I see absolutely no value to a judge of spending decades, years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, or seconds studying the Constitution. The history of its enactment, its amendments, and its implementation. So if you have a judge thinking like this. What do you think is gonna happen when the Nationals on the law comes about? Or there is the crime? It's gonna be easily set aside. He continues. Oh, where did this happen? Something something is out of order. That's all right, I don't know w- what happened. Okay, but well, that's all right. You know, but that's w- where it is in terms of the thinking of the people around the national Sunder law. And it is the dragon, the, the two horned beast is getting ready to speak and is speaking louder. As I should say, it's just gonna continue until it swells to that point. Just going to happen there. But my brothers and sisters, we have nothing to fear. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercies? Who through life has been my guide? It's going to be a rough time. But the promise is, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is the secret place of the Most High? The most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. So when you and I are abiding there, because this is where Jesus is, and that is something that the 144,000 do, they follow the Lamb whithsoever he goeth. So where is the Lamb at this point in time? In the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. So where you and I should be abiding? In the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. And if we abide there, the promise is that what? None of these shall come near our dwelling. Now, brothers and sisters, let us stay true to the word of God, let us stay true to Jesus, our friend and savior. Let us, by his grace, make him Lord of our lives. Because the national Sunday law will come. And the papacy will have its way. But here is what the Bible says. It's only for one hour. Short lived Short lived And at the end of all of this, Sister Little, when probation ends, and we pass through the great time of trouble. When a nationalist on the law is going to enter into the small time of trouble, and that will be bad. But the great time of trouble will even be worse. And Ellen White says this is a time that we need to develop a faith that will what? Mm -hmm. Endure what? Hardship and hunger and delay. So when we're dealing with some hardship at this point in time, I just want you to know that you're building your faith Amen. to be able to stand. Yeah? So when it's all done, the beauty about all of this is that as the saints are going through the time of trouble and the wicked, are planning for the demise of God's commandment-keeping people, Ellen White says that God will appear to them and will announce the day of his coming. My brothers and sisters, if you and I pass through that, we will hear that. And then the fulfillment Look up. We'll see him coming and we will sing, Lo, this is our God. We have waited. waited. Don't lose hope. Don't lose courage. We're almost there. Almost there. James White used to sing, I see my Lord... I come in. If he did that, what should we be singing now? (laughs) Just over the mountain in the promised land. What should we be singing? I don't know. All right, that's it. Let's pray. (laughs) Eternal Father and our God. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you again for this word that came as a warning, an entreaty, an encouragement. Whatever you sent to us today, by your grace, we have accepted it. We're asking for your strength to help us to walk in righteousness, to take it, to see that it came to us packaged in love, unconditional love. Give us the strength to stay close to you. We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.